Welcome to Taking the Higher Road, the Driver Reach and Freightways production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver life cycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. Definitely appreciate all the feedback uh, on the show. Please remember to rate and review Taking the Higher Road on whatever platform you're using to listen. I'm excited to be joined today by good friend David McBride, Executive Vice President of Recruiting and HR at LaserSpot, the world's largest yard management company providing spotting and shuttling service to over 500 sites through the U.S. and Canada. Welcome to the show, David. It's great to have you on. Uh, thank you so much, Jeremy, for having me. You know, I want to say uh, first off, it's a huge honor that I've been watching this forever. And to actually have me on is is kind of starstruck. So thank you. Awesome. Well, that means a lot. And, uh, I'm really excited to talk to you about your background how you got into the industry, you know, what attracted you to the recruiting and HR side of trucking for the past 25 years. Uh, I want to talk about uh, the successes you've had at LaserSpot. It's pretty impressive uh, successes in the last, uh, you know, just under two years that you've been there. And, you know, we can touch on uh, your approach to recruiting and hiring and, and your thoughts on the challenging driver shortage environment that most companies are dealing with. And then, of course, we'll answer a question submitted by a listener during our Deeper Dive segment. Uh, that's a lot to unpack. So uh, are you ready? I'm, I'm, I was born to be ready. <laughs> I know you were. Uh, let's start with your roots. Um, you're from East Tennessee, uh, went to the University of Tennessee, got your MBA in transportation and logistics. Uh, seems you already had your heart set on this industry. Uh, what was it that influenced that decision? I, you know, I did. You know, it, it's funny. A lot of people ask, you know, why did you why did you choose this? Why did you decide to get in transportation? And I say it was simple. I was born into it. It chose me. I had uh, my my grandparents in 1942 started a trucking company um, out of Birmingham, Alabama, that became the first intercontinental refrigerated uh, trucking company in in the country. And growing up, you know, it was uh, I tell most people that my uh, my daycare was a truck stop because I got to spend a lot of time around uh, around the guys, the men and women's industry that uh, that really made uh, that made this work. And so, you know what? It chose me and I love it. I've never looked back. So I, I hear that uh, that there's a really good program at U, UT. Is that right? Uh, they're, uh, they're, you know, I, I don't know if I shared it. I went to Maryville College for a year, um, which is just outside of Knoxville, before I transferred down to Georgia. Go dogs. Yep. Uh, it was while you were, uh, I think it was while you were, you were into Farragut High School, I believe, right? That's where you're from. And uh, I think I, I actually it that's right. I actually befriended a uh, high school quarterback from Farragut who took me to UT's indoor practice field that summer. It was in the summer of 94 going into 95. And uh, wow. he introduced me to the incoming freshman quarterback at UT. Um, some some people may know him by the name of uh, Peyton Maybe. Uh, <laughs> so, And honestly, it was interesting when I when I met him on that on that uh, uh, field, I just thought, this is the guy that I'm hearing so much about. He was not impressive looking yet. He was an incoming freshman, but he went through UT strength program. And I was really impressed. Obviously I've been a fan ever since I live in Indianapolis. Uh, we've, we've had some good seasons under his uh, leadership. He, he was in a, a couple of my classes when I was at the university of Tennessee and really? uh, almost, got me, almost got me kicked out of one of them because they had been over capacity and they were trying to decide between Peyton Manning or David McBride. And luckily, they, they kept us both. <laughs> right. Well, you've been in, uh, in in leadership roles with some really good companies over the past, you know, 25 years of your career. Um, let's talk about the successes you've had at LaserSpot, you know, specifically 
how you've been able to grow the company uh, significantly during what has been a very challenging time for most fleets, uh, for growth especially. Has it been challenging? I mean, between the for some years act and COVID and everybody, you know, no, it it, it is. You know, you're you're hitting on the topic. You know, first, I've, I've had uh, I've had an amazing career working with some of the most incredible companies in this industry, and I've I've absolutely loved every one of them. And it's part of what builds your character. It's part about what builds you professionally as a, as a person, as a leader, as a mentor. Um, Laser Spot was. You know, it was definitely a, a unique twist for me coming from the OTR world for my entire career and spending the last two years going to spotting and shuttling, um, learning kind of a new lingo, a new directive, a new, you know, kind of a new way that things are done. Um, you know, I have to say that I've been very, uh, I've been very blessed to have amazing leadership that uh, gave me a ton of latitude to come in and make it work for them. Uh, Twenty. Uh, 22 months later, we're approximately 1,300, 1,400 more drivers than when I walked in the door. And it was, uh, it was easily uh, something that said uh, how, you, how you manage your team, how you build your team, how you restructure for optimization to get people in the door. And you know what? That, that's kind of my motto. I know that a lot, of, uh, a lot of people in the industry have heard me talk about my, my three tripod rules of how to be successful in recruiting. And I'm absolutely now it is ironclad that with them it it works. And I'm I'm thankful to be there. Any particular uh you know processes that you can speak to that you've put in place to either improve the flow of applicants or or how to manage that flow to lead improved you know conversions to hire? Okay. Well, now that you're now that you're pulling my chain, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, you know, my, my three <laughs> golden rules of recruiting and how to be successful in recruiting. And to all of you guys that have heard this before, I apologize because I say it a lot. First, it comes down to advertising. You know, it, it comes down to getting the message out there, being the best message that you can possibly get that relates to an audience, and then getting in front of the the right audience. And you know, I've been I've been very I've been very lucky to have one of the the best uh, advertising strategists in the industry that's been with me for years. And you know, she uh, she definitely gets that part of crossed flawlessly. Second, build your team. When it comes to recruiting, you can have the best advertising, but if you don't have a good sales team that are out here working the phones, working their leads, working their applications, then you've got nothing. So make, you know, make a point to be a solid mentor, somebody that's literally going to walk in and say, you know what, I love you for what you do. I love you for everything that you're producing. And, you know, kind of my, my golden rule is if they do it right, love them. If they do it wrong, love them more to help them get on the right track. Third, again, this one is key. A lot of companies focus heavily on advertising. They focus on the recruiters, but they lose focus on the processing piece. You know what, Jeremy, you you and I are absolutely on the same page. Speed is everything. You know, if you're, again, love the video with you and your mustache. One of my, one of my favorites, by the way. But when it comes down to the, the processing piece and you say, oh, I'll call you back in the next two to four days to get you on board, then they're gone. You know, it's, it's getting out in front of it, getting uh, your processors to understand the urgency of getting somebody from point A to point B, sitting in the seat and making money for the company, making money for themselves. 
And if you leave that one key component out, which again, a lot of, a lot of companies do, then that's going to be your, your complete detriment. Yeah. It's an Achilles heel. If you don't, uh, you know, if you're not as efficient as possible and there's always room for improvement there. And I think, uh, yeah, I agree. And I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it sounds like a perfect storm. You know, you've, you've got a strong grasp on, you know, how to best recruit and hire CDL drivers, how to build an efficient process. And then you couple that with an overwhelming interest from drivers to who really want to work in a more local capacity, you know, has, has that phenomenon, which has always been there, but certainly seems to have been exacerbated by uh, a global pandemic. Has that been a strong, you know, wind in your sales? You, you know, I'd, I'd love to say that it was uh, part of our recipe to success, but you know, the, the last, the last poll that I, I saw showed that uh, from March of 2020 to current, there's been close to 1.6 million or 1.5 million additional local jobs that have been added throughout the, the commercial driver industry. And so again, now all of a sudden that became our direct competition. You know, all of the, the local deliveries, the food deliveries, the, the Ubers and Lyfts of the world now all of a sudden became, you know, hyper, hyper on top of getting people in the door. So yeah, it, it's definitely created a, a uniqueness in the industry. It's definitely a, a unique way, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's still been, it's still been a tough one. You know, it, I'll, I'll leave it at this coming in and, and driving production uh, when you're, you're looking for a hundred to 140 drivers a week and something like COVID happens, something like the CARES Act happens. Yes, it is definitely going to create a hiccup. Well, you know, you've been an advocate, uh, a vocal advocate for the industry for as long as I've known you, uh, whether it's in, in written form or, or video on LinkedIn, you know, you, uh, you also talk about the importance of fostering a strong culture. Can you share what qualities you look for with those on your team, especially on the recruiting team? Any, any particular qualities that really, that really you're, you're gauging against? No, absolutely. You know, I'm, I've always been very open about this. You know, I'm looking for people that are self-engaged, self-motivated, very driven, very, uh, very good on telephone. Somebody that has got the quality that says, I, I want to make the sale, but I want to make it legit. You know, there's a there's a fine line between uh, being a, a salesman and being a used car salesman. And, you know, I'm, I'm heavily uh, I'm heavily pushing on all my people to say, you know what? If this is not going to work, pass. Move to the next. Move to the next. If you try to, if you try to think you're going to use your net to catch every single person that comes along, then you're fooling yourself. So use uh, your own ethics, morals, and again dignity in what you do to uh, to make to make this happen. Um, with the with recruiters in in general, you know what? Uh, a lot of them have been with me. Uh, through at least two companies, some of them three, um, which I'm, I'm so, I could not be more grateful for my team and everything that they do on a daily basis that we work completely with synergy on a day-to-day basis. I love every one of them. So that's huge. And it sounds like you, you, you get the idea about, you know, recruiters and having those conversations. They're not just uh, processors, right? They're, these are people who are actually engaging with drivers and, and having conversations that, are um, either leading to a conversion, much like you know what happens with sales, uh, like you like you touched on, yeah. but uh, but not just you know reading from a script, right? There needs to be some engagement that's taking place there. <laughs> if if there's a if there's a script, you've already lost. 
You know, my, my thing is every recruiter has got their own personality. They, they do it uh, the way they want. I want them to have the bullet points of what uh, the product is, how we do it, how we, how we execute. But after that, I want it to be, I want it to be genuine. I want it to be real. I want them to be themselves and absolutely um, create their own sales persona because that's where, that's where honesty and legitimacy lies in how they, how they do it on a daily basis. Bullet points, not a script. Um, I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, this is probably a good opportunity to get into our, uh, a deeper dive question, you know, where we take a, uh, a question submitted by one of the listeners. Uh, for the fifth straight year in a row, driver shortage was the number one issue in Atri's annual top issue survey. What can be done to increase the number of new drivers entering the industry? Uh, your thoughts on, on how, do we, how do we get over this? Now, Jeremy, I know you're, you're jabbing at me a little bit on this. Because you, you've heard me say these words, again, the minority in the industry, but you've heard me say these words a million times. There's no driver shortage. There's just some that do it better than others. But to your, to your point, seriously, the, the, the thing is, it's, it's about uh, driving more diversity into the industry. You know, coming out of uh, last week's uh, conference of women in trucking, you know, they're a huge advocate of how do you get more, more females involved in this industry that has been highly male dominated for forever? And I think that it's putting more focus on that diversity of driving that opportunity. Uh, a lot of people have asked me over the years, you know, what, what is it? Is it uh, that women don't want to get into trucking or is it just not, uh, you know, the norm? And I say, no, there's actually, you know, I spent a, a lot of time, a lot of years as a field recruiter early in my career, going out to schools and met some absolutely amazing women that said, I want to get in this industry. I want to get in, but the wait time to get with a, a female trainer is barring me from, from getting in. And I think that it's going to be putting a lot of companies to put their best foot forward to get more female trainers to get to, to get all of these these uh, amazing women through the pipeline, and I think that we can go from seven to twenty or twenty five percent of the industry overnight if we uh, collectively, as an industry, put more more focus into it. Well, the average age, uh, and I agree one hundred percent on, and have been a supporter of women in trucking uh, since the beginning, and uh, 07, I think is when I uh, first met Ellen and 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 got involved in the uh, program. And I can tell you that uh, that's helped a lot and it's grown a lot. It's brought a lot of attention to it. She's done a fantastic job. We have a lot of room uh, for improvement, but at the end of the day, the average age of a new entrant in the industry is, you know, 35 years old, depending on who you talk to. I even heard as high as 38. That's a problem. We need to get new, uh, younger folks behind the wheel, but it's just, there are challenges, one of them being the, you know, uh, the 21-year-old uh, requirement. And so you graduate high school and you you twiddle your thumbs for a few years. No, you're going to do something else. And I think, you know, those are some things that I think we have to address as an industry or um, it's, it's no, a challenge. A hundred percent. You know, we, we've, got to, we've got to start pushing this out here. I think that, you know, if I could say that there was one thing that came out of the, that came out of COVID that was a huge asset to this industry was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people that had kind of lost uh, kind of lackluster uh, feelings towards, uh, towards this industry 
got a new refound love of the men and women that are out here on the front line. You know, it became very apparent when everybody ran out of toilet paper and they said, so what do we do next? Well, we turned to the trucking industry to say, let's let's pick it up. Let's put additional uh, resources behind it. You know, like what we're seeing right now in uh, which is the biggest one, the, the ports in Southern California with the, you know, 80,000 or, you know, 70,000 containers or wherever we're at today, it could be 200,000. But wherever we're at saying, you know, what are we going to do? You know, the best meme that I've seen in a while was a picture that somebody took right off the beaches of Southern California with a bunch of people in the ocean on the beach and whatnot, and a container ship in the background. And they said, people are already lining up for Black Friday. You know, so... (laughs) Uh, and you know, and it's and it's true. I think that uh, that COVID again, not just COVID, but a lot of things that triggered where we're at right now, has brought sexy back into into trucking. And I'm I'm grateful to see this wave. I'm I'm humbled to see so many people that are literally jumping in and saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm interested." And I think that that's had some kind of effect with especially our our CDL schools that are seeing a massive uptake in the number of new enrollees to come to get their CDL. I'm, I'm grateful for it. I'm, 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 I'm not an advocate of COVID, but if there's a, a positivity, I love the direction that we're headed. Yeah, there's silver lining for sure. I think in a couple of ways, obviously, personally, there's silver lining in, in, in uh, you know, really embracing your family and maybe, maybe taking more time to smell the flowers that you might not have before. I certainly recognize that as it's going through the fall and you see the beautiful trees. It's something that Sometimes you're just so busy that you're not thinking about it. But I was uh, certainly more aware uh, this, you know, as a result. But the other thing is just the image that you talked about, the, the, the image of the trucking industry. The, the, what I want to make sure we don't do is, is allow that to, to, to be in the rearview mirror. That, that needs to be something that we constantly, that's a drum that we need to continue to, to bang. Because at the end of the day, um, it's a critical industry. We know that. But now a lot of other people are starting to be made aware. And just talking, I just interviewed somebody recently on, uh, on the ports uh, situation. And what is, uh, what is interesting is when you have a, a supply chain that's really operated in, in a just in time, you know, sort of basis, um, mm-hmm. a, a global pandemic is really disruptive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it can, it can really throw things off. So, um, anyway, it's exciting stuff. I agree a hundred percent that, uh, that, that the images, we have a great opportunity uh, because of this, and we have to continue to uh, make sure that that doesn't get forgotten. Yeah, I'll, I'll a, throw in I'll throw one one more one more little tidbit of that. Uh, you know, you you heard me uh, uh, at the R&R, the convention in Nashville, Tennessee, where they handed me a microphone, which I always say, you don't really want to give David McBride a microphone because there's no telling what's going to come out or how long he will take this. But they gave it to me and I, I, I stood up to say, you know, where we're at right now as an industry is saying, you know what, everybody in this room is a professional. You know, we're professionals in what we do, but we're trying to rely too heavily on others to be our voice. You know, with the especially like the uh, the new uh, the new issue with the the. Shoot, Jeremy, help me. The mandate uh, is it the oh, I, I, sorry, the word is really the the vaccine mandate that came out, and we're we're looking at all of the trucking industry associations to be our voice. 
And, you know, my, my message to them was very simple. This is our industry. This is ours. We all have a voice. We have to get up. We have to be very um, initial driven to, to go after this. You know, this is our industry to own or it's our industry to lose. So that's, uh, again, I'm, I'm very passionate about that piece of it, that we don't sit back and just watch others be the voice for us. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, and I and I think we we're aligned here. If you don't have a seat at the table, you can you're on the menu. You got to have a seat at the table. You got to have a voice. Um, and so, um, another question from a from a technology standpoint, you know, we, we seem to be evolving rapidly, and uh, autonomous technology is is developing at a pace that will uh, will likely have an impact in the next few years. And how do you feel that will affect new entrant drivers' interest? Any thoughts there? Oh no, I I love it. You know, I do. Uh, I do some work with a lot of private equity firms uh, across the, the country. And, you know, it has been a whirlwind of, of calls and meetings based around, you know, what's what's the next bubble? What's the next piece? What's the next uh, new initiative and in, in technology? You know, at LaserSpot, we're, we're doing a lot of work with the remote trainers um, where we set up trucks with the cameras to be able to train somebody from afar. We're also uh, meeting with the, a lot of companies that are going self-autonomous trucks, which I'm, I'm excited uh, to see how, how this thing all comes together. Um, and of course, we are the world's largest, greenest um, spotting and shuttling company. You know, we, we just ordered a new uh, fleet of electric uh, spotter trucks that we're, we're very proud of to be able to say that we're making that impact or that non-impact, I guess, better way of saying it, on the environment and leading that charge. So you, you mentioned that we recently, you know, saw each other at the uh, R&R conference in Nashville. Uh, you know, normally it's in February, uh, but due to, you know, COVID, it was moved yeah. to November. How important uh, do you feel like it was to get back out there and, and see people in the industry face to face? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I, you already know the answer to that one, because that. I love being in the. I love being in the mix. I love the being around people. I love the, of course, obviously, I love talking, but I also love being a, a mentor. You know, it was it was very it was very difficult. You know, personally for me, um, going from having a very large team that I was around on a day to day basis, walking up and down the aisles, you know, doing the high fives, giving them the that extra support, that extra drive, that extra whatever encouragement to to move opportunity. And then to go to a full, uh, fully remote situation, it was, I don't know any other word to say other than heartbreaking. And again, a lot of the, the summits and conventions we go to to learn so much from all of our peers and share information about what we're doing that's working, what they're doing that maybe isn't working and, and kind of coach up. It was absolutely heartbreaking for me to go from being the, the guy that, that loves to talk, loves to, to, to shake hands, to being the guy that lives in now this little box in, in my house and trying to run a control center from a Teams meeting. So yes, I absolutely loved getting to uh, Nashville to spend time with all of my peers. Well, we love, you know, people. We love to be, this is a people industry and we are, you know, humans, I think really need that. So I agree. I think it was great to get back, to be able to see people. And and for you, I just want to uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely appreciate your passion, your insight, and uh, and wish you a wonderful holiday season. Oh, my God, Jeremy. 
Thank you. Love you for having me on the show. I, I swear this is like my, my Tom Cruise moment. So I appreciate you for having me. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking the Higher Road, for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the Higher Road, whatever platform you listen. Until next time, thank you for Taking the Higher Road.